Even though they're historically outnumbered in math, science, and engineering, and often face stereotypes and sexism in their fields, women have always led breakthrough research and pushed scientific innovation forward. In the past, being a woman in STEM meant initially getting ignored by the Nobel Prize nominating committee, despite discovering radioactivity. Or NASA thinking you'd be too emotional to operate in its station, never mind that you'd beat the odds and become the first American woman in space. From inspiring to absurd, a look back at the historical misconceptions about women in science reveals how far women have come in shattering obstacles. Female scientists motivate us to advance in whatever field we choose, thanks in part to the painstaking pioneers who helped blaze the trail. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about two-time Nobel Prize winner Marie Curie. Conducting groundbreaking work that altered the course of the 20th century, Curie's struggle to achieve recognition in male-dominated fields provided a look at the science's sexist history and a deeper sense of the person behind the brains. Our second story takes a historical look at the female astronauts who dominated the aerospace industry, despite how badly NASA misunderstood them. Suffering through various eye-rolling inducing incidents, women in the space industry have crushed years of preconceived notions, teaching us all about the cosmos along the way. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how the film Radioactive offers a different kind of look into the complex life of pioneering physicist Marie Curie. the extraordinary. You changed the world. There are those that say that radium is making them sick. He's invented a poison! The things that make us weak are the things that make us strong. My science could cure cancer. This is my light. And I will win it. Streaming now on Amazon Prime is Marjan Sartrapi's third live-action feature, Radioactive, an adaptation of the Lauren Redness 2010 graphic novel. The movie stars Rosamund Pike as Marie Curie during her life as a Polish immigrant in Paris. She becomes the first woman to win two Nobel Prizes. Barreling through many obstacles in a male-dominated field, she's most famous for developing the theory of radioactivity, where she had no choice but to explain plainly to a room full of scientists that, frankly, they were all doing it wrong. Here's a bit more from the film's depiction of this moment. We all thought that atoms were finite and stable. Well, it turns out some of them are not. And in their instability, they emit rays. I have called this... Radioactivity. We are here to tell you that you have fundamentally misunderstood the atom. But in grappling with the fallout of Curie's work, Radioactive challenges its beloved central subject, examining how her discoveries have been both life-saving and life-destroying. While her work has been used in cancer treatment, which has saved countless lives and is still used today, it's also led to the nuclear weapons that killed thousands in Japan in World War II. More on that with Inverse's Eric Francisco in just a moment. 
The complexities allow director Marjan Sartrapi to pose questions about the ethical sciences and what happens when human beings do not always use science for the best. Inverse's Eric Francisco spoke with the film's director and is here to talk more about the issue of ethics in science and how the film Radioactive digs into this via the life of Mary Curie. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Welcome back. Hi, Tanya. Uh, Good to be here. So it was interesting to see how this film ends up being a really compelling medium to tell the story. You know, we're talking about a woman who developed the theory of radioactivity, two Nobel Prizes. But what it's really about is the struggle. You know, it highlights so much of the obstacles a woman with a passion for science faces at this time coming up in this space. Do you think the world knew enough about how groundbreaking Marie Curie's work was, first and foremost? I do believe there is already existing appreciation for Marie Curie and her accomplishments, but I don't believe everyone knows the entire story. I don't believe a lot of people know that she was an immigrant working in France and trying to make her way up as an immigrant woman and being kind of blockaded every which way. She had to fight for her first uh, recognition. People had to uh, campaign on her behalf saying, hey, she contributed to this discovery. She ought to be recognized. Marie Curie, of course, in her first Nobel Prize in physics, she wasn't going to be recognized. Uh, It was her husband, Pierre Curie, and Henry Beck Curie, um, those two gentlemen were going to be recognized for the Nobel Prize and and not Marie Curie. They had to campaign saying, hey, Marie is just as deserving of this award. And luckily, of course, she, she was awarded and she became one of the first, the first woman to be awarded the Nobel Prize. What was interesting about the film is that it's not exactly a love letter to her. It, it, it grapples with some of the fallout of her work. What were you able to learn from the film's standpoint about why this was an important element to the whole story? Fallout is a really fitting word for the work and impact that Marie Curie had. Uh, Marie Curie's discoveries in uh, radioactivity, of course, they were they have been used for good. They have been used in cancer treatments that are still being used today. Uh, Marie Curie has saved countless lives uh, even after her own death. That being said, Marie Curie's discoveries were also used for nefarious purposes, let's say. Uh, It's been used in wartime. It was used most famously in the atomic bombs that were dropped in Japan in World War II. So yes, fallout is a really tremendous word. Uh, Radioactive, this movie from acclaimed graphic novelist turned filmmaker Marjan Satrapi, and streaming now on Amazon, it examines and unpacks Marie Curie's impact really. And it it challenges the subject in a way that I found fascinating. It challenges Marie Curie as a deeply human person who cared about human beings. She wanted to help people. The movie makes it very clear that Marie Curie was not trying to profit from her discoveries in any any way. She was not even making this uh, with war in mind. It's other people. It's, It's other humans who built upon her work and created things that both helped people and as also hurt people in troubling ways. And that's what the movie examines. It's, it's, it's what you put out into the world. It's not always in your control what it's turned into. Uh, the things you, you, you make and the things you, you, you invent and, and, and pathfind for the rest of humanity, it's always not up to you uh, how that's used after you. Uh, and that's what Radioactive is very much about. It's, it's about both the magnetic personality that was Marie Curie and her life and her struggles uh, and what she gave to the world and how th- her gifts were turned into uh, both uh, uh, tools and and also weapons, so to speak. Yeah, it opens up 
the door to so many conversations about science and ethics and, you know, whether it's 100 plus years ago or whether it's today, there is that grappling. The complexity of the human experience often makes its way into science or has to, or we have to figure out how to work our way through all of the complexities that are involved. In in speaking to the director, do you feel that that was important to highlight, how it's just a core issue in the world of science? Of course. So Marjan Satrapi herself, the director of this movie, it was just kind of by necessity that Marjan Satrapi examined in her in her adaptation uh, the the fallout of Marie Curie. But it was an important decision. It, it it's a necessary one. Marjan Satrapi told me herself, you can't talk about Marie Curie's work without talking about the ripple effects. It's like talking about uh, Newton and physics and not talking about how else gravity has has impacted our lives. It, it boils down to uh, how we receive the gifts that that we come up with. Marie Curie came up with a gift. It's radioactivity. She discovered something so fundamental to the world that it's impacted us for the next hundred years or so. But it's been up to us to uh, take those gifts. And it's been up, it's, it was up to us to use radioactivity to cure diseases. It's also been up to us to use it to uh, make war. And, and that is the point of Marie Curie's life. It's not that, um, you know, we're lucky that Marie Curie was in fact a good person and only wanted to help people. That's, that's a great thing. But Marie Curie also could have been she could have been looking for a profit, uh, and she she could have used these discoveries to make herself wealthy beyond her belief, uh, beyond anyone's imagination. But she did not do that. It's kind of like Superman. Superman is is this is this wonderful Titanic figure. He's got all the gifts in the world, and he can use it to uh, you know for his own personal gain. And yet he uses it to help people. Marie Curie, again, not to not to be too blunt about it, Marie Curie had these wonderful gifts and she tried to help people. In the end, it was up to us to make it something else. And that's unfortunately what humanity did. We kind of took Marie Curie's gifts and uh, used it to advance other means and other ends that uh, has resulted in the deaths of thousands, if not millions. But uh, you know what? At the same time, we've also used it to help people. And it's not easy, but you take the good with the bad. Right. No, I think that's a good place to leave it on. We cover this at length at inverse.com. Fascinating look at the story, and I really appreciate you breaking it down a little bit more for us, Eric. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. Throughout history, female astronauts have suffered some pretty unfortunate incidents in their male-dominated fields. In order to appreciate where they are today, we look back at some of the most infamous misconceptions about women in space. a historic moment. First time that two women have done a spacewalk together. Christina Cook there, the first to come out of the uh, the Quest airlock. EV-1, load alleviating strap is inspected and looks good. Copy, Christina. What you've just heard was the first all-woman spacewalk. NASA astronauts Jessica Meir and Christina Cook made history October 18th, 2019. Mayor and Koch were conducting zero-gravity maintenance on the International Space Station. Here's Christina Cook reflecting on the milestone shortly thereafter. We've crossed that line, and now two women have done it. And so hopefully it'll become commonplace, and it won't even necessarily be something that's a big deal down the road. Cook's use of the words big deal is really appropriate here. Female astronauts have had to contend with a lot throughout the years. Maybe the most famous space quote of all time can color your thinking. That's one small step for man, one 
In the 1960s, the working women of NASA were tasked with filling lower-grade jobs like answering phones and assisting at labs, basically your average secretaries in space work. But then there was the 70s. That's when NASA engineers designed full-on makeup kits for women in space. That was in 1978. Reviews were mixed. And then in 1983, this happened. As the Challenger climbed today, it carried an American woman astronaut, Sally Ride, into space and into history. And liftoff, liftoff of STS-7 and America's first woman astronaut. It was a perfect launch into the history books. Astronaut Sally Ride became the first American woman in space when she took part in NASA's seventh shuttle mission aboard the STS-7, where her job was to work a robotic arm used to help satellites into Earth orbit. All this before returning to Earth six days later. By the 1980s, space menstruation, you heard that correctly, was a big concern of NASA's. It was also worried in the 1980s that women could get too emotional and run out of Tampons. You heard that correctly. More on that in a few moments. This is all to say female astronauts have had to take on plenty of otherworldly obstacles before that monumental first all-woman spacewalk. Some of them weird, all of them mind-blowing. Here to tell us more about it all is Inverse staff writer Pesent Rebier. Welcome. Hi. So these phrases, you know, spacewalk, this is no ordinary walk in the park. It's not some kind of moonwalk here. Just uh, to set the scene here, performing spacewalks ranks as one of the most physically demanding tasks an astronaut can undertake. Can you explain how these things go? Yeah. So if you thought it was hard to kind of do like little handiwork on Earth, it's like so much harder to do it in space. Basically, you're like you're exiting the comfort of the the International Space Station and you're going out into space and you're you're tied to the space station, but you're also like floating around trying to do this like really kind of complicated mechanical work on the station <laughs> while being yeah. in the in the depths of space. So it's pretty <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty hard. There you go. And needless to say, physically, women aren't built like men. Therein lies one obvious challenge right there. But it was the non-physical challenges that we here at Inverse couldn't help but notice. Um, so let's dial it back. Is it fair to say that women started out at NASA? I, we, we call them space secretaries in our reporting, but how were women's skills utilized back then in the 1960s? Right. So in the 1960s, the scientists kind of spearheaded the first study of the effects of space travel on women. Before that, women had never gone into space. But before you get excited about this man leading this new era of space travel for women, he was wasn't thinking in any progressive terms. He was actually thinking that, you know, people on the space station, uh, astronauts, male astronauts are, you know, doing a lot of work and they're going to be really busy. So they're going to need some assistance. And like, what better assistance than having some female astronauts in space act as essentially like secretaries just handling like some of the work that men didn't have time to do in space. So luckily, Things do evolve. Women do become astronauts. By the 1970s, NASA even tries to better accommodate these new class of female astronauts. And in doing so, we get the um, design of a makeup kit for space in 1978. What do you make of this? Is this not reading the room? Is this a product of the times? A little of both, as the case usually is? Right. So it was basically like 
a room full of dudes didn't have much experience working with women before, I guess. And they thought like, hey, women love makeups. Obviously, women, female astronauts are going to need a makeup kit to take to space with them because how could they live without it? <laughs> I mean, good intentions, but still like very just patronizing. Think about that just for a second. And you see, we see similar trends happening. You know, there's progress yet it gets a little clunky. The 80s also gave us the first woman in space. It was um, a famous story at the time in, in 1983. You know, NASA was famously concerned about the abundance of feminine products and perhaps feminine hormones. You know, even with the backdrop of, you know, sending the first woman into space, we get this possible disconnect. What What's the actual story? Right. So Sally Ride was set to spend a week to have like a week long mission in space. And uh, NASA engineers were like, well, you're going to need tampons for your period. So <laughs> they gave her 100 tampons to carry on board with her for one week. <laughs> that is Phenomenal. And again, this was the early 80s. Fast forwarding 40-ish years later, almost 40 years later. I would hope we would have made some progress. But I, I ask you that. How are women faring? Are women at least uh, semi-satisfied as far as how far NASA has come? Um, you know, perhaps these past reminders serve as a good example as, as to how far we've come. But maybe there's a lot more work to do. I mean, women have definitely made huge progress in um in terms of space travel, but just the fact that, you know, it was only last year that we had the first all-female spacewalk happen at the International Space Station. It just shows that, you know, there's still kind of a long way to go, but that's not to say that there aren't a lot of female astronaut figures right now making history. And with the upcoming Artemis mission that plans to return humanity to the moon, NASA is very keen on sending the first woman to the moon. So that's definitely, there's definitely a lot of progress being made right now. Listeners can head to inverse.com to check out more of Pacent's piece. It was a cool look back on the history. So Pacent, thanks so much. Thank you. Head to Inverse.com to read more about the latest on women in the field of science. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.